Hello and welcome to the latest View from the Loch. Uh, on View from the Loch, we try to bring uh, a variety of guests from the world of golf. Uh, and I'm delighted to say that we have a young professional golfer with us uh, for this particular episode. Um, and he is an ambassador for Loch Lomond Whiskies, who uh, obviously sponsor the podcast as well. So thank you to them. Um, this chap won the North of Ireland uh, Amateur, which is a huge competition uh, played at Royal Port Rush and also the Irish Amateur Championship winner as well. Uh, J.R. Gilbraith, you are very welcome to View from the Loch. Bill, thank you very much for having me. Uh, th yes, this is going to be a fascinating sort of interview for a couple of reasons. One, there'll be young aspiring golfers looking to try and break through, uh, which effectively you've had uh, incredible success as an amateur and, and you're trying to break through uh, as well so they can learn from your experiences mm -hmm. uh, and also those of us who play maybe on a regular four ball who aspire to be as good as somebody like you and that's never going to happen so it's quite nice to hear how it's happened for you because what you've achieved has been really uh, above most normal golfers uh, yet you obviously want to achieve more and you want to get into the professional ranks and obviously go as far as you can. So we'll just start off with, where did you learn to play golf, JR? Yes, so basically, um, it was actually a fluke how I got started in golf, Bill. So I, I was always a, f a young footballer. I mean, I loved football growing up. And You're a Manchester United fan. Manchester United fan. We'll, we'll throw that in early. <laughs> yes. Unlucky. Yeah, <laughs> unlucky for some, yeah. But no, I, I always loved football as a kid, and it was actually a fluke one Christmas. My my parents didn't really know what to get me, you know, as presents, and my mum decided, oh well, why not get him a, a junior set of golf clubs and see if he can he can try that. So, my grandfather was always a really good golfer, and um, so he took me to the driving range with the, my new junior set, and yeah, I picked it up really quickly. My granda showed me the the basics, and I just loved it straight away. You know, I could hit the ball quite well. And then within maybe a year, I joined a golf club and got my first handicap, which was 28. And the first season, I got down to 14 handicap. Whoa. So, and which yeah. golf club was that? That was at Carrick Fergus Golf Club. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a golf club I know very well. Yeah. Uh, we're both obviously from uh, from Northern Ireland, and uh, yeah. uh, so we'll, we'll recognize these sort of landmarks. And and so it was your grandfather then that inspired you? Or did, did the pro at Carrick take you under his wing, or what, what happened? To be honest, it was, yeah, my, my grandfather definitely, he inspired me to, you know, to get into golf and he, he was always a keen golfer and, you know, he, he showed me pretty much everything, you know, in terms of swing and short game, putting. So I picked it up fairly quickly and then my cousin, oh, oh, he was a member at Whitehead Golf Club. Mm -hmm. um, so I played a lot of golf with him, I ended up going to Whitehead and, and joining there as a junior. They, they had sort of a bigger junior section as well, so there was more competition. Yeah, which is what I love. I love competing against other other players. So I joined Whitehead Golf Club then and just went from strength to strength really quickly. And I all of a sudden I started winning, you know, junior events around the country and ended up getting selected for the, the national the national panel, the under eighteen team. Which is an incredible yeah. meteoric rise. So that happened yeah. Did that happen? What was sort of period of time? Yeah, literally. Well, this this was I was eleven years old when I first picked up a club. 
which is oh. actually quite late, you know, yeah. for, for quite a lot of, you know, successful golfers. I think Brendan Rodgers, who's on the podcast, he was either 11, 12, maybe even 13 before he started to play football. Yeah. And then got it. So, yeah. so are you, do you think natural talent, um, Jeff Boycott also on the podcast said he was born with concentration. He was just born with it. Yeah. Do you think that you were born with just an ability to play golf? Yeah, I just think I've always had really good hand-eye coordination. Right. You know, anything that's sort of a, a reaction sport or, you know, a ball sport, I've always been very good at it. Um, so I think if you're born with that sort of, you know, hand-eye coordination talent, you'll be good at most most sports. But, yeah, golf in particular, I just, yeah, just always felt like I had a feel for it, you know, in the short game especially. Chipping and putting always had a, a really good idea of, you know, what I was doing. And I mean, I guess that is, you know, you're you're born with it sometimes, you know, just that a feel for something in, in particular. And, and were you, did you practice a lot? Were you a prodigious player of golf mm. and you practiced, did you practice a lot or was it just natural ability? I was very much a player. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, any, any chance I could get, I just went to the golf course and played. I mean, when I was younger, I used to play three rounds in one day if i could you know if i could in the in the summer evenings you know well in the summer mornings we would get dropped off at the golf club at maybe eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning and you're there till nine at night you have all three meals in one day at the golf club maybe two three rounds of golf with your with your friends and you're you're competing against them i mean those those were just brilliant brilliant uh, developing days really I mean, this podcast goes out in Washington and US, so we're talking really about Irish golf here, but I guess golf in general. The thing about golf in Ireland is that there's always a golfer in your family. For you, it was your grandfather, yeah. uh, and for me, it was my father. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing, I think, about that sort of golf. Uh, Roman Rafferty, again, who, who was on a, on a podcast, sort of agreed that it's ingrained into the family life in Ireland. Uh, there is always somebody somewhere who plays golf. But the other thing is when you really get a, a sort of feel for it, um, the amount of, of kids who go and play golf all day uh, in the summer holidays yeah. when the schools are off, uh, it's, it's incredible the amount of people you meet who can recall or still do or whatever their situation is playing golf all day at the golf club yeah. and it's it's a parent's yeah. parent's dream it's a parent's dream exactly i mean my mom and dad they they knew where i was all day mm. so they they were peace of mind really knowing i was i was at the golf course and doing something i really enjoyed so it's i mean it's back home at the moment there's you see it in every golf club there's kids everywhere you know they just want to just want to go out and have fun with their friends on a golf course and Golf's just a, it's an amazing sport where it brings so many different people from different backgrounds together. And, well, there's not really many other sports like it, to be honest. The know? handicap system is so exactly. incredible. You know, you yeah. could play Tiger Woods and I'm not saying it would be, but, you know. Yeah, uh, it could yeah, be a fair game. <laughs> yeah, it could be Depending a fair game. on the shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which you need to be about six a hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you subscribe to, a professional golfer said that um, uh, if you're playing Augusta, uh, and you know, professional against an amateur. Mm. Uh, it was put to me that you could drop the ball on the green at Augusta, so you don't need to even tee off or e- even need to have an iron mm. or driver in your hand, just a putter that you still get beaten uh, because the greens at uh, Augusta are so wicked. Would you subscribe to something like that? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, obviously Augusta. It, 
the challenge is the greens. It's not really a, a tight golf course as such. Mm. You know, it's it's fairly wide open. So your score is made around the greens at Augusta. If you're if you hit the right sections of the green and leave yourself as many uphill putts as possible, you'll you'll do okay. But obviously, a you know a normal amateur golfer, they're not going to be able to leave it below the hole all the time. So yeah. they're going to leave themselves short sided and around Augusta, you have no chance if you're short sided. Even yeah. the best players in the world struggle to get up and down. So, sure. But I could definitely see that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've you've achieved great things in amateur. So let's let's sort of dig into that. Mm -hmm. The North of Ireland win. So for those that are not familiar, it's always played at Royal Portrush. Uh, it it's uh, yeah, it's one of the four biggies, but probably it's seen as the biggie. I think. Yeah. Between not, it, no disrespect, yeah. the West is. Yeah is also uh, west of Ireland's also big yeah. um so uh how did it happen and what can you remember about that particular occasion yeah so 2015 right. when i when i won the north of ireland championship um i mean it was always a special event for any ulster player you know because mm -hmm. that was our home open essentially and royal port rush for me is just such a special place anytime i've went there i always play well and it's just a, a feel-good factor. And, yeah, so in 2015, I mean, you have the two qualifying rounds. You have the two-stroke play uh, rounds to qualify for the match play. So I think I finished maybe 15th in the, the two-stroke play rounds. And then you have the next day, then you'll play, if you keep advancing, you play 36 holes, you know, three days in a row, obviously, to the, the final then. So I just kept winning my matches, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of really close matches. I remember the quarterfinal match I had with Colin Fairweather, mm -hmm. we, who was also a, an Irish international. Mm -hmm. um, I knew it was going to be a tough match. He's a, he's a great player. So we, uh, we, we were, I was one down with two holes to play. Right. And seven, the old 17th at Royal Port Rush, par five. Mm -hmm. Colin Fairweather smoked one down the middle. So I'm, I'm really, really under the pressure, under the cosh. So I follow him down the middle. I hit my second shot over the back of the green. Colin hits it to the front of the green. He hits a nice chip up to maybe three feet. And I'm at the over the back, so I'm chipping. I chip it in for eagle. Oh. So that's a real killer blow to him. So we're standing on the 18th tee, all square. Mm -hmm. Momentum switched. It's with yeah. me now. So I had a great drive up the middle of the fairway. Collins pulled it into the left rough slightly. Um, so I've had a great shot, maybe 10 feet short of the hole. It, it was playing really long this day. It was into the wind. So it was driver. I had a really good driver two yarn. Um, so Collins hit it in the front left bunker in two. And he hits a great bunker shot to maybe 15 feet. It was a 50-yard bunker shot, so it was, it was a pretty good shot he hit. And he stands up and rolls the putt in for a four. No. So pressure's back, pressure's back on me. I've got a, a 10 footer for, for the win or two pots to get into the playoff and a slot at home and give it a huge fist pump. Yeah. I mean, just to, to finish Eagle Birdie oh. on 17 and 18 to win a match is, is some feeling and obviously to get into the semi final as well. So that, that was the one match that really stood out for me that week. Um, that and and how, what was the result? You know, obviously won the final. Yeah. Was it three and two, four and three? No, so the final was actually, it was 35, 40 mile an hour gusts, the weather, mm -hmm. right? It was 
the, my opponent that day was actually at a wedding the following day, or they were going to postpone the final. Really? Because, yeah, because the the balls were blowing off okay. greens. It was okay. you know it was that windy, but we couldn't couldn't postpone it anyway. So we we went ahead with the final, and it was it was a grind. <laughs> it was a real grind. So it was a it was a close match. I I won two up in the end. So okay, but even it so, was, but yeah, it was. The, a, I mean, to win the north of Ireland is is a tremendous achievement. Uh, but then that led then the Irish Amateur Championship. Uh, you're victorious with mm -hmm. that which you know another step up so how did that happen and what do you remember about that yeah the the irish amateur close was uh that was at sea point 2014 okay. that was mm -hmm. actually the year before i won the north um and it's the same format you've two stroke play rounds which qualify for the you know it's the top i think it's top 40 qualify for the the match play stages and again i finished maybe 20th 15th 20th something like that and got into the I, I had this feeling when I got into match play that no one could beat me. I just had this this mental this, strength. Yeah, just a real vision and mental strength in match play that against one person they can't beat me. I always had for some reason I just always had that belief, and my my match play record and home internationals and these you know the likes of the Irish amateur, the North, I, I very rarely got beat. And the Irish amateur, I went all the way again, won all my matches, you know, got to the final, won it. And that that was really my big breakthrough in 2014. I, I would have been what, 20, right. 19, 20. And uh, that was my real breakthrough to get into the senior team then, the you know, the national team. Um, which, which then led you then to represent Ireland uh, yeah. in golf. Yeah. Um, so the success then continued and uh, I know you took a really huge scalp, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, and, and I think that, you know, they, we then want to get into, you know, some of the people you beat. Uh, they've gone on to great things. And, and how does that make you feel as well? But we'll get on that and say, so you home internationals playing for Ireland. So take us through some of your highlights. Yeah. So I first made the home internationals team in 2014. Mm -hmm. We had a fantastic team that year. We had Paul Dunn, European mm -hmm. Tour winner, Cormac Sharvin, so also a European Tour player, Gavin Moynihan, Chris Selfridge, I mean, all, all Tour players, we, Dermot McElroy as well. So we, we had a great team that year, and we you could just sense you know, the, the vibe around the, the team we were going to win that week. We were the best team there on, on paper. I know you still have to do it, but we just had that belief, and we went on to win that year. And, that was the start of four wins in a row for Ireland, which is unheard of, really. No, that was England, Scotland, Wales. England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, yeah. yeah. And internationals, yeah. Yeah. And England were, were the dominant team for, you know, for many years. I mean, they won so many titles and it was great to dethrone, it, dethrone them for sort of four year period. And you were in that team for those four years. I was in the team for all four years. Yeah. Gosh, can you yeah. remember anything? Any any match play? Uh, any match in particular against anybody well, in the home international? Guess where 2015 home internationals was? Royal Portrush. Royal Portrush. <laughs> <laughs> Just happens to be my yeah. favourite golf course in the world. <laughs> so yeah, two, 2015 was the one that really stood out for me. Um, we, we had a great team again. There, there was a few guys that moved on to the pro ranks, like so Paul Dunn. Cormac Sharvin, those guys have moved on. So we had a few new guys come through in the team, but we still had a very, very strong team. 
and obviously being at home in Portrush, you know, a lot of us knew the course really well from the, the North of Ireland Championship. And it was just a just a memorable week, you know. You know, we, we all came together as a team and we, I think we had a really close match with Scotland on the first day. I remember playing we I played Connor Simon the singles. We we were okay. all square playing the last. And it, it had come down to the last two matches. So I was the anchor man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had come down to the last two matches. And I remember holding, I mean, I was off the green, off the front of the green on 18, and the pin was back right. So I had at least 60 feet. And I hold the pot for for birdie to win one up. Okay. And the guy, uh, anyway, the guy behind, uh, or the guy in front, sorry, we, we both won our matches. So we, we ended up beating Scotland then by, I think it was a point. So it was a very, very close match with them. And then we, we actually beat England convincingly and beat Wales convincingly. So that, that was the one that really stood out for me, 2015 at Portrush. And Neil Manchip, the, the national coach with yeah. us at the time, is uh, Shane Lowry's coach. Right, yeah. So Shane Lowry that week had actually just won the WGC at Firestone. Okay. And that was Shane's, you know, that was the biggest win of his career then. Yeah. Um, and Neil, Neil was on a high, you know, and we were just feeding off that energy, you know, and obviously we were all delighted for Shane as well. So, yeah, that, that was the one that stood out for me was, was 2015, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great put. And Connor Simon, of course, is, is doing Connor's on well. the do well, yeah. yeah he's yeah. going to do. So, okay, so then you're, everything's going great. You're winning, your record speaks for itself. You kind of, you're seen as a, as a guy that's going to bring home the bacon, get the point for the team, mm-hmm. um, all successful. And then the Walker Cup team 2016 came along and what happened? So 2016, it was, I think it was LA Country Club, the Walker Cup in 2016. Yeah, it was, it was away. Um, so it came down to pretty much four players for, for two spots. And in Walker Cup selection, the European Amateur Team Championship is a, a huge deciding factor in it. And, and I didn't play my best stuff at it. And there was a Welsh guy, Jack Davidson. He played quite well, you know, so he sort of got ahead of me then. And then at the final week for selection was Home Internationals. I mean, I'd, I'd done well. Mm-hmm. I got, I think it was four and a half points out of six. Mm-hmm. But just the, whatever way they, they, they decided, I just missed out. And it was a real... It was a real blow at the time. I remember, you know, because I was on the panel all year. I was on yeah. the Walker Cup panel all year, and obviously making Walker Cup is like the highlight mm-hmm. for for any amateur golfer. It's really sets you up for your pro career, if that's you know the route you want to go down. And yeah, it was just a, a real blow that I didn't make the team. I would have would have loved the opportunity, and obviously my match play record as well, you know, speaks for itself. And yeah, just unfortunately didn't make it. And that, were, that might were you angry or, or frustrated or both? More frustrated, but I guess in a sense it was, you know, the, the, the one I look back on was the European Team Championship. I just didn't play my best stuff that week and that was maybe the deciding factor in it. Um, but yeah, that's just that's the way things go, aren't they? You know? Well, that's true, you know, and, and uh, but look. in amateur terms as well, you took a huge scalp. Mm. Uh, so do you want to tell uh, the listeners about that? <laughs> yeah, so uh, as an under-18 uh, golfer, we had the British Boys Amateur mm-hmm. Championship. 
and I get drawn against a very large uh, Spaniard called John Ram. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can honestly say John Ram was the same build then as a 17-year-old as he is now. Gosh. I mean, and I was quite a, a slight, you know, uh, junior golfer. It wasn't much to me. Um, and John Ram just towered above me. <laughs> so, yeah, we I got drawn against John in the third round of the, the British Boys Amateur. And... I mean, I just played brilliant against him. He, he was hitting his three iron past my driver. Gosh. Um, and he, yeah, he was he was a strong guy, but his, his game was, was so solid. But I just potted him off the golf course this day. I mean, I just kept holding putts, and I could see visibly he was getting very frustrated with, with the amount of putts I was holding. Mm -hmm. And he, yeah, he just lost his head really against me. Did, did he? Yeah. Did, did he? Because he, he has. You know, yeah. we've seen it where he's got angry. He's got a bit more controlling now, I think, yeah. of it. You could see that. I could see it, yeah. I mean, he was hitting it so far past me, and he was he was hitting it inside me all day, you know, on, on the greens, and I was just holding pot after pot, and it was just demoralizing him. <laughs> I could just see it. You know, he was getting very frustrated because he wasn't holding the pots, and I was. And ultimately, you know, that's, that, yeah. that is what it comes down to. And I ended up beating him. I think it was two and one. I beat him and yeah. And what, what a how far did you advance? That was a great scalp. Yeah, so I actually I lost in a, a marathon semi final match against an English guy called Patrick Kelly. Right. So we went the fifth tie hole. Oh. Yeah. And I mean it's a, it's a massive tournament, the British boys. And where know. was it being played? It was at a place called Burnham and Barrow. Okay. So I think it's southwest, yeah. South, southeast England. Yeah. Lovely little links course. Yeah. Um and yeah, just a just a, a memorable week. I mean, I played played great golf all week. Lost in the just a marathon semi final, fifth fifth playoff hole. You know, we just kept powering each hole, and then he made a great birdie on the fifth tie hole to beat me. And that's not, that's that was not. yeah. But I mean, getting to the semi final mm -hmm. of of a tournament, I think there's 280 players start the week. Yeah, and to get to the final four is is, is a great achievement. But obviously, you want to go all the way and win the win the title, but Unfortunately, I didn't that week. Well, I mean, so it's all coming pretty clear that your amateur record, your putting in particular, uh, seems to be the thing, which, of course, is deadly in match play. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can get up there yeah. and then, you know, finish it off, as you say. Yeah. But, you know, the North of Ireland win the Irish Amateur Championships, four home internationals. You know, the Walker Cup seems, I mean, how not to select somebody who's as who's a really great putter you yeah. know it's just yeah. it's just uh, beyond me slightly but yeah. uh, okay um now it's all set up for you jr you then think about turning pro mm. so after not making the team in 2016 walker cup i mean there's nothing really much more to do in the amateur game for me so i've been look it was i was looking at how i could turn pro what i could play and sort of thing um and I decided then to turn pro in 2017. Um, Team Ireland Golf, are, um, they do a great job in bridging the gap between amateur and, and the pro ranks. They they help financially. Mm -hmm. They give you some funding and they they give you some challenge tour starts to you know to get your pro career started. And they were a huge help for me starting out. You know, um, so I ended up playing the Euro Pro Tour. Yeah. So that was my first full season as a pro. I played that. And actually my first two tournaments, I finished third and seventh. Gosh. So I'm you know, I'm I'm thinking, well, this this is a nice start to, yes. to pro life and 
couple of nice checks, you know, playing lovely golf. And I'm thinking, yeah, here we go. Just keep trying to progress and, and try and win tournaments. I mean, that's ultimately what, what, why I practice. I just love competing against, you know, the top, top players and trying to win trophies. And, and that's, I was very close to doing it in my first uh, two, two pro tournaments. And then did you start to think about it too much or did you start to think it was, was it just, you know, this is pretty straightforward kind of thing or, because when you enter the professional ranks, mm. you know, it's an, obviously another level. Yeah. But, you know, coaching, maybe caddying, yeah. uh, maybe preparation, diet, food, exercise. Yeah. Did all that sort of come in front of you? Yeah. The, you know? the, the thing for me was, I mean, starting out, I mean, it all felt so easy. You know, I was playing, mm. I was playing good when you're playing good golf you don't really think about too much you're just in the moment really playing your game and that's how it was for the you know the first season i uh i ended up finishing i think it was 26th or 28th in order of merit you mm -hmm. know for the whole season so it was a fairly decent start to um what did you need to get into to get up the next level top five. Oh wow yeah so it's a pretty yeah top top five to get to the challenge tour which okay. is it i mean over a whole season on on the euro pro tour it's it's pretty difficult to do there's a lot of good players obviously going for such a small number of spots um and you need to be the, the thing with the euro pro you, you actually had to win because of the money you know mm. the breakdown of the money was quite quite poor so if you won you were mm. you were jumping above so many guys so ultimately you know it was all about winning on the euro pro tour and i didn't manage to do that in my first year i had a lot of nice finishes you mm. know top 10 finishes but that that was never really going to get me to the next level. So, I mean, it was it was tough enough starting out, and um, I felt like my game was in a really good place. And you know, it was a decent first season as a pro to to start out really. So when you're when you're playing with other professionals, um, is there people that you get drawn with where you think to yourself, "Yeah, that's great," um, and or that's not so good because they're difficult even on playing my own game they're difficult actually to play with mm. does that enter is that is that a thing it can be it can be i mean there there are certain players that are you know say they're very slow you know right routine wise and stuff um that can be off-putting if you're i'm a fairly quick player mm -hmm. i like to like to get on with it um i don't particularly like standing about waiting on somebody you know faffing about but um mm -hmm. it can be off-putting but i mean i've the thing i've learned really in pro golf is you you've got to really focus on your own game play your own game because there you know there's a lot of distractions around and the more you can focus on yourself and what you're doing on the golf course you know the better off you, you will be for it so then um you're you're now a pro and a lot of pros tell you that they get caught between playing competitively which you obviously loved um or teaching so what where did you fall in, in that yeah era? so yeah I've, I've always loved playing bill you know that's mm -hmm. that's been my um that's just i just love competing you know whether it's in in golf or you know even playing a game of pool against my friend i just love competing you know it's it's just in me and uh I always wanted to play and I never really seen myself as, as going down the teaching route. I, I really wanted to, to give the playing side a full, a full crack and see, see where my game stood up against the, the best players in the world ultimately. 
Um, and I mean, I, I've played, I played the Irish Open as an amateur in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I've got a good feel of that. That was the year Rory won actually at the K Club. And I got a good feel of where my game was then and what I needed to work on to, to get to the next level. And that that's how you improve, really. If the better players you play with, you can learn a thing or two off them and, and try and implement it into your own game. And um, yeah, I've I've tried to improve every every part of my game as I've gone on. And the thing I really got caught up in was was trying to gain more distance, right? Which had a negative effect on my on my game personally. So I, I, I was that kind of a Rory effect? Do you think? Yeah. Well, it was it was during COVID when we sort of we were getting back into golf again i mean i just there was no tournaments coming up mm -hmm. it was i was almost bored to be honest yeah. there was not there was nothing really to do and i just thought you know what let's just try and gain loads of speed and, and gain more distance off the tee and i did i mean I've, i increased my ball speed from i was a one 170 mile an hour standard to the 180. right i mean i increased oh, it massively big, over yeah. a say a six month period mm -hmm. but it had a it had a negative effect on my game also i lost control of my you know my wedges and because i had more speed i found it more difficult to gain so you the distance. so you tried to trans okay so that went through your whole yeah, game basically yeah not yeah. just the driving just not just the driving it, it's i mean i'm i'm a very feel player you mm -hmm. know i like to like feel the shot and with what i was training with the speed speed sticks and you know in the gym it took away a little bit of feel that i had for you know for my wedges and my short game and also off the tee i lost my, my accuracy a bit so i was hitting it further i was able to carry you know bunkers and hazards and stuff but i lost my accuracy along the way which ultimately you don't want to do no i mean did I your confidence start to drain it did yeah it, it did i mean there was some tournaments where couldn't keep it on the planet you know if I if my timing was slightly off I, I was hitting it all over the place and I couldn't score and I just said you know screw this I've got to got to just go back to playing JR golf and you know just play my own game and don't don't worry about hitting it 320 yards off the tee because I'm, I'm not short off the tee I can still yeah I can get it out there um and yeah I just just said, you know, let's go back to, to being JR and playing my game and, and see where that, that takes me. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm in the process of doing, of doing now, you know. So what's your goals now, JR? So, now? Bill, the, at the moment, I'm playing the Clutch Pro Tour this mm -hmm. season. Um, but the, the ultimate goal is to to get my, my DP World Tour card and, yeah. and compete for, for championships, you know, at the highest level. That's always what I've wanted to do. And I, I believe my game is good enough. Um, and I'm working on a couple of things at the moment to uh, to really you know get myself there. And I'll have DP World qualifying uh, September October. And so where, where's that? I've happening? got that to look forward to. So there's a number of uh, there's a number of venues. There's two in the UK, mm -hmm. and there's a couple in uh, Sweden and Belgium. Right. So I have a few options of of where I want to go. I haven't you know decided uh, exactly where I'm going to go yet, but. I'm really looking forward to, to that opportunity. I feel like my game's in a good place at the moment. You know, I'm getting uh, my driving. I actually changed the shaft in my driver a few weeks ago uh, to something a little bit lighter but stiffer, so there's more stability with it. And I'm, I've noticed a huge difference in, in, in my driving in the past few weeks, and that's a real, that's given me a lot of confidence. You know? Okay. 
I actually played, you know, Loch Lomond yesterday, and uh-huh. I mean, didn't miss a fairway all day. So <laughs> good man. Every 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 golf course is kind of easy when you're yeah. <laughs> when you're hitting it down the middle of the fairway. So um, yeah, I'm very 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 positive about my my game at the moment. Yeah, you, you sort of come across as that yeah. focused yeah. And, and positive. I think that's. Yeah. That's what struck me uh, yeah. as well. So we we need to keep a, an eye out for J.R. Galbraith and you know your journey uh, and and where you're you're going to end up. And and I think it's important for these podcasts, as I said before. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's not all about the the Lee Westwoods and the Jason Leonards and whatever who are fantastic and it's great to get on. It's it's about the sort of breadth. Uh, of of uh, golf and uh, and this great game and so many people involved in it. Yeah, we were at the Open in in Hoylake, dear, uh, where we sort of bumped into each other. And um, you had a theory about Rory, which was interesting, um, and and I thought it kind of resonated with me a bit. And obviously, uh, with Ryan Ballingy, we talked about Brian Harmon, and we had a whole podcast practically dedicated to. The Brian, yeah, uh, but Rory, um, your putting is one of your strengths. I mean, you, yeah. you've you've given the reasons why, and, and you've closed match play out um, number of occasions. And the pressure on on the putting, and you you've come through. What was your theory about Rory? I mean, I know he's a hero of yours. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, growing up in Northern Ireland, and Rory being from from Hollywood, mm-hmm. I mean it. He's he's always been a, a hero of mine. You know, he's just an amazing amazing player, and what he what he's done in the game is just incredible. Really, we all we all hope he does the you know the Grand Slam and gets mm-hmm. that Masters the the green jacket around him sometime. That's what we're all hoping for. But um, just just at the moment, I think you know well he he has improved his putting somewhat from what it was a couple of years ago. But I think with Rory, there's he he misreads a a lot of putts you know being a good putter myself you know always i have a good idea of how to read a green and reading greens is actually one of the most important parts of of Mm -hmm. putting um a lot of guys are doing aim point now you know but you you use your feet to to measure the slopes and you know that it's 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 a bit technical for me i'm you know more of a field player but i just think with rory he he misreads a lot of putts he actually hits good putts but yeah. it's just the wrong line a lot yeah. of the time um he yeah. never asks for harry does he to give him a read never never no no so he's he's obviously doing a bit of work with brad faxon at the moment uh-huh. who was who was a great putter in in his day and brad's obviously helping him become more of a field putter you know he, yeah taking the technical side out of it but i just think rory yeah i, I think he over borrows a lot yeah I think say you know the likes of a six foot putt if it's right edge rory seems the aims outside right and tries to die it in mm-hmm. and sometimes i just look at him and think just hit it right edge and hit it a little bit firmer you know be positive mm-hmm. aggressive with it and i think that would you know that might might improve his putting a little bit if he's just a bit more positive with the line yeah you know rather than aiming too high and letting it die in i just think a lot of the time he, he burns the edges that way mm-hmm yeah well i mean it's a good uh theory you've got and i think a lot of people talk about it but mm. maybe um don't talk about it the way you have yeah. uh some do but you know i think he, you, you've like got even some... if rory miss if he rolls a putt three feet past i mean he doesn't miss many three footers no. so you know you you can afford to be you know positive with it 
and not worry about a three-footer coming back. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. True. Um, Michael Block, uh, Club Brew, just incredible stories. Probably one of these stories um, that come out of golf uh, on the golf course. Yeah. Plenty off the golf course, but uh, on the golf course, uh, this guy Michael Block comes through. He played in Dundonald Links like you did for the, uh, the, open, the open qualifying, the open qualifying that, yeah. that he didn't get there. What were your thoughts about him? His view was if he could drive it as far as the pros, <laughs> he thought it, his game was good yeah, enough yeah. after that to compete. What, yeah, what's we, your thoughts? <laughs> we know the old saying there, yeah, but yeah, yeah. if you're granny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's amazing what he'd done at the PGA, wasn't mm. it? I mean, just out of nowhere, just had the week of his life. I mean, just everything went went right for him that week, didn't it? His hole-in-one playing with Rory yeah. McIlroy yeah. in the final round. Yeah. I mean, that is just so rare for something mm. like that to happen. And then obviously to play play so well all week i mean so it's a whole life-changing week for him really yeah and, and that can happen to any pro you know mm -hmm. it just takes one week in this game to change your whole your whole career and in, in, in a positive way and obviously michael block that week that was that was his life-changing week i mean i'd say now is a lot of huge sponsorship deals off the back of it and i actually was chatting to him at dundonald thanks you know right. for for the open qualifying he was a group behind me and uh, I was chatting to him on the putting green for five minutes before we teed off, and just a lovely guy, you know, yeah. just a real normal, normal guy. And we were chatting about, you know, links golf and how he hadn't played a whole lot of, and I was telling him certain, you know, shots we would hit in the wind. And I mean, yeah, just amazing to think we were watching him on the TV a few weeks before yeah. that, <laughs> getting a hole in one time yeah. with Rory McIlroy, and I mean, he was the whole crowd solid. He's, Ooh, he's a very solid? good player, yeah. I mean, I don't know how old is he. I'm not sure, 30s. Maybe in the 40s. Maybe, he might, might even be. He I was going to say yeah. in the 30s, but you could be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, but did that, does that act as a kind of an inspiration? I mean, you're still in your yeah. 20s, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's definitely inspirational. I mean, as we were saying, it just takes one week to change, change your life. And um, when you see, you know, even, you know, guys in the seniors tour there's guys breaking through at 50 years old and they're, yeah. and they're winning and that's the beauty about about the game we love golf i mean there's no age to it the, the ball doesn't know who's hitting it yeah <laughs> you know yeah so you can you can be good at this game until you're 60 years old and you just never know when when your week's going to be and that that's something that we should all look at you know be positive about going forward you'll just wait for your week your your turn will come if you're if you're positive and you believe in yourself and I, I believe my, my time will come, you know, sooner. Well, hopefully sooner rather yeah. than later, but I'll always keep working for it. And and my, my dream has always been to win the Open Championship. I've yes. always dreamt that as a kid. At Royal Portrush? Well, it's back there in 2025. It so, is. Yeah, I've been dreaming dreaming about that one <laughs> since, well, since Shane Laurie won it in 2019 at Portrush. That would be the that would be the ultimate dream for me, yeah. Winning an Open at, at Royal Portrush and, who knows? That be that might be my Michael Block week. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be. But I, I tell you a story about uh, John Henry was the pro at the K Club for a number of years, and um, I, I wondered down. So you know, club pro, but our director of golf at Loch Lomond, Guy Redford, said mm -hmm. he he 
John Henry hit the ball as sweet as he's yeah. seen anybody at that sort of level. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mount Juliet was holding a World Invitational. Mm -hmm. They had this sort of World Invitational. And Tiger Woods was, you know, dominant. Ernie Els was probably the closest that stage. Mickelson was mm -hmm. kind of about a course as well. But uh, Els and Woods had this sort of bit of, bit of a sort of an edge to them. Uh, and I wandered down to Mount Juliet, um, and it, it was, I think it was later on, day one, and looked up on the scoreboard, and uh, John's leading. John is leading the World Invitational at Mount Juliet. <laughs> Jesus, I, thought, I had to look again. Yeah. And uh, while he couldn't maintain that leader in day one, he couldn't maintain that sort of thing it just goes to show you as you say what can happen yeah on any given week anybody could win you know if, if it's your week it's your week if you if you believe in your ability and you you know you've you've put enough work in to, to get your game to a certain standard i mean it can happen for anybody you know that's that's the beauty with golf isn't it it well it is and with your amateur background you know yeah. you know how to do it so yeah. uh, i think that uh Jay Argelbraith, we wish you all the best. Thank you very, very much for coming on to the podcast. And just one final question, Manchester United, how come you're a United fan? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask at some point. Um, obviously, some people Being know a, I'm a Leeds United yeah, fan. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had a, had a childminder when I was younger, and he was a huge Man United fan. And that's he really got me watching the games as a kid with him. And, I just loved, you know, the club. Obviously, growing up, I'm watching Man United win, you know, Premier League after Premier League and Champions League, League Cups. I mean, it's easy to easy to be a glory hunter, isn't it, when, <laughs> when you're a kid? But yeah, I've I've always had a just a passion for football as well. You know, I love watching football and Man United being my team. Obviously, I'll watch them every every time they're on the TV and. I try and go to Old Trafford maybe three, four times a season if I right. can, you know, in around the golf schedule. And yeah, I just, I just love the whole, the whole club. And I know you're a, a Leeds United man. We, you know, we should really hate each other. We? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of one yeah. of these. Uh, I've never really understood why that rivalry. It's certainly I've been to Old Trafford twice yeah. with Leeds, yeah. and I mean it is pretty out there yeah. um I, i've never really got it myself um yeah. you know i'll admit that uh and and i don't know many you talk to united fans i think it's grown their sort of dislike of leeds yeah but irritating probably yeah um uh but certainly leeds fans yeah quite a lot of them you know are very yeah. anti-manchester united yeah but george bess was kicking about when i kind of was very very young yeah. and i think that's probably taken the edge off because yeah. he was one of my heroes but yeah. even though i i guess i was there when he played yeah but i can't really remember much about it um yeah. you know and he was probably on a hero and of course yeah. that's probably taken the edge off for me yeah yeah well i'm very jealous that you got to see george best <laughs> live i mean what a just what a hero he was you know oh, iconic God. iconic figure I actually, I actually watched the I think it was BT Sport recently. They they done a documentary mm. you know, on George Best at his time when it, when he was playing for United. I mean, they showed the the highlights of the the sixty six seventy six final, the UEFA Cup final. Uh, in the sixty seven. Sixty seven. That was yeah. it. Yeah, and George Best in the semi final against was it you, uh, Benfica. Yeah, I mean he just 
completely annihilated the team yeah. Benfica by himself. Yeah, God knows what it'd be worth Single, these days. I mean, well, in today's market, you couldn't yeah. even put a price on a player like George Best, could you? Just what a what a footballer and just someone I would love to have seen live. You know, yeah. he would have took your breath away at times. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he, he was just collided yeah. along the yeah. the floor. So, uh, how's United going to do? You think I'm, this year? What will be your expectations? You know what? I'm quietly confident this year. I'm quietly confident. The only the only thing I wish we had have done was sign Harry Kane. I know we right. signed this young Rasmus Hoyland. Who's, who's going to be one for the future. He's only 20 years old. I mean, he's, he looks like he has all the, the right attributes to be a, a top striker, but I just wish we had have went for Harry Kane. I mean, he's a world-class striker. He scores 30 goals in the Premier League pretty much every season. I think if he joined United, it would also elevate you know, his career. He, he, he could win trophies at United. And I just wish we had have went for him. It looks like he's maybe going to stay at Spurs or go to Bayern Munich, which is... Yeah, unfortunately, on the cards, yeah, it'd be disappointing if he went to to Bayern Munich, wouldn't it? We love seeing him in the uh-huh. in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I just wish we had have went for Harry Kane. I think he he probably could win us the Premier League if if he was in our team. Uh, sure, but sure. I, I do think we'll finish top four again. But I don't think we'll win the title, but we'll maybe go close, second or third. I think would be okay, and another trophy would be a, a good season. And, and as a Leeds fan, we're still waiting for a left back that we've been waiting for for uh, uh, about four years. Uh, <laughs> I believe and, he's yeah. around for uh, United. Uh, Brandon Williams, yeah, is it? The, apparently, yeah, yeah. United left back. Yeah, it'll be a well, decent sign. I mean, he's a young young player. Definitely, definitely got, need it. Yeah, definitely. Need yeah. Jr. Good luck, Jr. Go breath. Keep an eye uh, out for the name, and uh, we're going to follow. Uh, and good luck for the future. Thank you for coming on. Bill, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Cheers, JR. Cheers, Bill.